Now we're turning this morning to the book of Habakkuk, or if you're listening on from the United States of America, you might know it better as Habakkuk, but whatever way you pronounce it, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, that's the book that we're turning to today. Habakkuk, of course, is one of the minor prophets, and maybe the best way to find it is to find Matthew and then work your way back, and you will come then um, to the little prophecy of um, Habakkuk. We're going to be reading from Habakkuk chapter 1. If you found the place, let's hear the word of the Lord. It's good that you hear, but it's also good that you see, and you can follow in your own personal copy of the Scriptures. The, the words will also come up on the screen for those that are watching and listening online, and we appreciate your faithfulness in doing that at this time. Let, let's hear the word of the Lord. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou will not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe though it be told you. For, lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the lepers. And are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves. And their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteneth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the king's. And the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God? Mine holy one, we shall not die. 
O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes and behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he, and makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. They shall therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of Habakkuk chapter 1. Now my text this morning is taken from Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 through to 5. And my theme today is entitled God's Man with a Broken Heart. Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah. That means he lived at the same time, in the same generation, in the same era. And although we can't be exactly certain and pinpoint uh, the exact time of his ministry, we do know that he ministered before the Babylonian captivity of 605 through to 586. BC. The most likely scenario is that he wrote down his prophecy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, just after the godly king Josiah was killed in battle at the age of 39 by the Egyptian army. After Josiah's death, his wicked son, King Jehoiakim, seized the throne. And it would be hard for us, as it would be for Habakkuk, to understand why God would allow Josiah, a godly king, to be killed in battle. After all, he was much needed. After all, he had started good spiritual reforms in the land of Judah. And you can read about that in Second Chronicles chapter 34 and 35. And if he had lived, well, sure, he could have reigned for another 25 or, or 30 years. He could have done much good for God and his country. But he's gone. And now his wicked son is on the throne. And listen to what God says to him. In Jeremiah 22 verse 17, God said this, But thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness, and for to shed innocent blood, and for oppression, and for violence to do it. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of uh, Josiah, king of Judah. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, my brother, or ah, sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, ah, for his glory. You see, I have no doubt that Habakkuk was a humble God-fearing, good Christian man. 
And he was struggling with a couple of questions. Why does a God allow this increasing evil in Judah to go unpunished? Why is God not answering my prayer? Why do the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? See, I can hear him asking God in this prophecy, Lord, are you there? Lord, are you listening even to my cry? Lord, are you not concerned? You see, it's interesting when you read the prophecy, only three little chapters. He doesn't address his own nation of Judah. He isn't addressing his fellow countrymen. He isn't addressing a foreign nation like Assyria or Babylon or or Egypt. No, out of all of the 12 minor prophets, Habakkuk's book's different. Why? Because the whole tenor of the book is a message about his personal feelings and struggles. And it's about him speaking to God and God speaking to him. And one of the things that he struggles with is not only the increase of evil in the land of Judah that's going unpunished, but he is struggling with unanswered prayer. He's thinking at the start here, why doesn't God answer me? And why is God allowing this evil to prosper and the righteous to suffer? And he's writing and telling us about the matters that are really troubling his own heart and mind. And here we're giving an insight into the heart and mind of a true uh, man of God. Habakkuk, by the way, the name means a wrestler. So so think of that as you uh, ponder this message this morning. He's not writing about himself. He's, he's, he's heartbroken for his country. He's heartbroken for his church. He's heartbroken for the cause of God. His heart is stirred. He, he, he's moved. He's broken for the spiritual condition of the land. And in that context, he has moved them to seek the Lord. And although Habakkuk is small in length, only three chapters, and the first chapter has to do really with um, his burden, and the second chapter with a vision, and the third chapter to do with his prayer, Habakkuk, I believe, folks, has much to say to God's people today. Do you know the Bible's relevant? It's up to date. In fact, it's more up to date than even the morning newspaper. See, I I want you to see him as we open this series of messages, and we're going to come to the subject of revival, but before we get there, we're going to start at this place. I want you to see Habakkuk as God's man with a broken heart. Now, I have four things this morning I want to share with you from these five verses. I want you to think, first of all, of the appearance of the man with a broken heart. If you look at the uh, verse 1, it says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. And let's just underline or circle those words, Habakkuk the prophet. Remember, wicked Jehoiakim is on the throne. There's much evil in the land. And what's God's answer? The raising up of another prophet. The raising up of a godly minister to stand for God, especially in a day of apostasy. In a day when there's a a deep spiritual 
crisis affecting the country and the church, here's God's answer, and God's answer is to give Habakkuk the prophet. You see, I believe this morning that such a move in God's part is indeed a great mercy. Habakkuk the prophet was a gift of God to Judah. The raising up of a man of God in a day of spiritual apostasy is really an act of God. It's God's gift to the land. Habakkuk the prophet was God's gift to the country and God's gift to the church. And I want to say this morning that I believe that the raising up of a man of God to stand for God, to stand for truth and righteousness in such a day of apostasy and religious decrying is a great mercy that any land and any people can receive. You think of the spiritual condition of the land in these days. The country was in a state of rebellion to God and his word. A people who preferred sin to God. A people steeped in apostate religion devoid of God. A people who loved all their sinful pleasures. A people who despised the word of God. Let me tell you how much they despised the word of God. The word of God was brought into King Jehoiakim. And what did he do? He had it read in his presence. And after three or four leaves of the Bible was being read, because remember it wasn't written in a book format like, like we have, the king seized it from the hand of the reader. He cut it with his pen knife and he burnt it in the fire. He was sending a message. We're not going to have the word of God. And all that were with him in the room at that time, that there was none opposed him. That there was none protested. Remember God's reforms through godly Josiah? The land had known spiritual revival. But now Judah is in a, a state of spiritual recession. They're going back and here's an indication. The king and the throne burning the word of God. You think of we Northern Ireland this morning, this land that we love this wee land has known spiritual revival, 1625 in the Six Mile Water. 1859, known as Ulster's Awakening. The 1920s under the late Reverend W.P. Nicholson, one of the great Orthodox Presbyterian ministers of the day. But we haven't had revival since. We're not in spiritual revival. We're in spiritual recession. The land is going back from God. And what's God's answer in such a day, in such a situation? Well, God raises up a man. Or, or a group of godly men. And those men stand in the Lord's name and say, Thus and thus saith the Lord. And they call the people to repent. And they call the people to get right with God. See, I believe that the appearance of such men like Habakkuk the prophet is a sign of great mercy from the Lord. Men who are faithful to the blood in the book. Now, let me add this little bit. Such godly men with such a, a ministry, they're not always appreciated. Habakkuk the prophet wasn't appreciated he was hated and despised. He wasn't wanted. You see, any man who condemns sin, who calls a spade a spade, um, many will not want that man. They'll certainly not want to hear him. They'll call him a, 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 a doomsdayer. 
They'll say, well, he's always preaching about judgment and the wrath of God and always talking about sin and the need for repentance and preaching about converted. He's the Reverend Gloom. Let's not listen to him. Do we not live in a day when the gospel ministry is not as appreciated as it ought to be? Not as highly valued as it ought to be? You see, the gospel ministry, the gospel minister is a token of God's mercy to the church and the country. And whenever iniquity abounds in the land and the people turn their back on God and his word and the people's mindset is, I don't care what God says, then God in mercy raises up not machines, not movements, he raises up men. And that's what he was doing in the days of Habakkuk. That's what he was doing through the minor prophets. And if it was true then, it's true today. And as I've already said, and I'm repeating myself, I know, Habakkuk was such a man. He had a very effective and a very challenging message for the people. He he was well aware it wasn't easy to speak to a reckless, rebellious people. People who wants to put you in prison. People that's going to stone you. A people that's going to go to their governors and their princes and push for laws to be passed to stop you saying certain things about them. I'm offended because he said that what I'm doing is sinful. So let's use the law against them. They had to endure much opposition. They had to endure persecution. They had to endure hardness. And then, of course, added to that mix, you think alongside Habakkuk the prophet, there was false prophets. And they were saying, don't listen to Habakkuk. God's not going to punish you for your sin in hell. God's a God of love. Forget all about this wrath stuff. We don't believe that. And yet in that context, the man of God has to be faithful and true to his calling. And you see, this is not a new thing. This goes right back even to the days of the psalmist. The psalmist said, Help, Lord, for the godly man seeth us, for the faithful feel from among the children of men. Psalm 12 and verse 1. Could I encourage you this morning, and I know you do, and I appreciate it very much. Could I encourage you, if you genuinely love the Lord, to pray for the ministers of the gospel in our land. Not only uh, ministers in the free Presbyterian pulpit, but but good and godly ministers right across the uh, various denominations. Could I thank you for your support? Could could I I, I thank you for standing alongside me as I I, I attempt to watch for your souls? Let's ever learn to appreciate the gospel ministry. And the gospel minister. Let, let, let's see them. And I, I don't demand uh, your respect. I, I, I crave your support. Let, let's see them as a gift of God. Because that's what they are. That's the first thing. As we think about God's man with a broken heart. I want you to think of the appearance of God's man with the broken heart. I want you to think secondly. Look again at the text. I want you to think of the agony of the man with a broken heart. 
If you look at the text, it says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1, note the words, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Underline the word, the burden, which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now we'll pause there. You see, Habakkuk was a broken-hearted man. He was a man in great mourning. The spirit of heaviness was upon his soul. Why? Think of the words, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. He saw something, and he was seeing it in the land of Judah, and it was this, the land was bankrupt religiously. See, this was a day when people didn't want the word of God, the will of God, or the worship of God. This was a day of false and empty religion. There was much ritualism. There was many ceremonies. Think of the people carrying on the same serious observances, the feast days, the fast days, but it's all outward motions. Their heart was not in it. Their heart and mind was not fixed in the living and the true God as it ought to be. All their observances, their feast and fast days, no impact upon them. It wasn't changing how they live. They, they had no interest in real contrition for their sin. There was no real consecration to God and his word. There was no genuine or real conversion. These people were full of carnality. These people were careless. It was not genuine, true religion before God. Remember what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15? You should underline these verses. Matthew chapter 15, and we read there in the verse 7, right through to verse 9. This is what the Lord Jesus said. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. See, this was a dark hour. The land was bankrupt religiously. Could I tell you as well, this land was bankrupt societally. Remember, there was a wicked king in the throne who had just burnt the word of God in the fire. And it seemed that the minute Jehoiakim ascended the throne, these spiritual reforms, they give way to a spiritual regression, and it seemed as if the land was falling apart. If you look with me there, if you go back to Habakkuk, um, think of what he, he says there in the uh, verse 3. Um, he, he tells us, uh, why dost thou show me violence? So why dost thou show me iniquity? He says, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me and there that raise up strife and contention. It seems as if the wicked was willing. It seems as if the people of God, were, well, they're in a tiny minority now. They're getting less and less. They, they, they don't count. They, they, they don't matter. The good and God's men, well, they're perishing off the land. And they're powerless to do anything anyway. They, they can't stop me. 
I'm Jehoiakim, I'm the, I'm the king. It's pointless for them to try. You, you think of the explosion of immorality, the explosion of injustices, the explosion of indecency, and it seems to be triumphing, and it's impacting not only in family life, but on the life of society. Because here in society, the prophet's asking God, why do you show me iniquity? Why do you cause me to behold grievance? Spoiling and violence are before me. When I look in the land, that's what I see. And there are that raise up strife and contention. When I oppose this, I, I'm, 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 I'm blasted down. The land was bankrupt morally. If we underline the words iniquity and grievance and violence and strife and contention, it seemed as if the people were happy not to believe in God. Doesn't it seem as if we Northern Ireland is happy and proud with abortion and demand? It seems as if Northern Ireland's happy with the rise and promotion of pornography, and domestic violence. Almost 33,000 domestic violence cases last year reported to the police. It seems as if we Northern Ireland is happy with child abuse and same-sex marriage, which is not marriage. And, 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 and homosexuality But it's their right It's their business we're told They're, they're happy and proud with religious apostasy A, a minister that, that, that says to them Let's just go down the pub and have a few beers Happy with drunkenness And gambling And, and murder and theft and greed and, and anarchy in the world You see this is a day when, when the land is bankrupt morally That the wicked ungodly men are prospering it seems as if they're winning the day. And, and, and they, 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 they have the supremacy when it comes to the battle and, uh, for the hearts and minds of the people. Here's an age of prevailing sin among the people. Sin's tolerated. Sin's been embraced. Sin's been loved, wanted. Sin's been invented. But not so Habakkuk. In this land that was bankrupt religiously, and societally, and morally, and spiritually. He was a man in agony of heart over the state of the land. He was a man with a burden on his soul. He was burdened by what he saw. And I want to make it clear. He was burdened because of the sin in the land. He had a love for his land. He, he loved the living. He, he cared for the lost. He, he cared for the Lord and his cause. You see, he saw things differently than the majority. The agony of the man with a broken heart, he was in agony because of the sins of his people. He was burdened in a day of gross, deliberate, wicked sin. He's God's man. And he sees his nation in rebellion. And he's broken hearted. He's depressed. He's despairing. He's perplexed. He, he, he's talking to God. You see, it opens with the statement, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Think of this. Oh Lord, it, it's wrenched out of his heart. Go through Habakkuk. Underline the word O's. It, it's, it's from the very depth of his soul. It, it's not, oh Lord. It's, oh Lord. How long shall I cry? 
and thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me and there that raise up strife and contention? Notice this, iniquity. Is that not to do with the perverse bentnet of our hearts? Where there's a panting and a, a longing after sin. Grievance has to reference to misery. Spoiling and violence is a reference to robbery and theft and fighting and beatings and bloodshed. Uh, strife and contention has to do with uh, him being opposed by, by, by standing for truth and righteousness. He, he, he says in verse 4, therefore the law is slacked. Judgment doth not go forth. Why? Because the wicked are in control. And you know you could have a wicked judge on the throne. And you know that recently in some particular court case, some judge in some courtroom in Birmingham has, has banned the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 7. And, and, and he's branded it as, as hate speech. Here's Habakkuk. And he's heartbroken over the sin of the land. He's weeping sore. He's doing his best to serve the Lord. But he's burning with a holy indignation when he sees the sin and the violence all around him. I want you to think of this heartbroken prophet agonizing and in mourning over the sin of the land. And I want to ask this, how do we see things? Do we see things as they really are? Are we in the free Presbyterian church Broken and burdened because of sin? Are, are we broken and burdened about the, 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 the uh, nation's sins? Notice this was a personal agony. He was overcome. He saw it. He saw it with his eyes. He felt it in his soul. It, it had a bearing on him and his relationship with God. This was a perplexing agony. He, he, it was breaking his heart. He couldn't understand how, how God could allow this. You know, this was a persistent agony. See, this burden didn't leave him. It came upon him every day when he got up in the morning, when he went to sleep at night. It was bearing down in his soul. It was not fits and starts. This was a continual burden. So I, I'm asking the question. I've asked my own heart. Am I burdened about the nation's sin? When I think of the broken homes in Northern Ireland. When I think of the broken marriages. When I think of divorce and the rise. When I think of a lukewarm church. When I think of inept leaders. When I think of political confusion. When I think of sin being legislated for in Parliament, whether it's abortion or same-sex marriage or transgender issues, are we affected? Are we burdened? Or do we, do we just not care? Do we just shrug it off? Not only the appearance of a man with a broken heart and the agony of a man with a broken heart, but I want you to think thirdly and quickly, the asking of a man with a broken heart. You see... This burden, and I want you to get this, causes Habakkuk to pray to God. And if you learn nothing else this morning, in every perplexing 
burdensome thing that faces you as a child of God, if you learn to pray about it before the Lord, that would be a great help and a great benefit to you. If you look with me at verse 2, O long, Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence and thou will not save? You see, here's the asking of the man with a broken heart. The word cry in the Hebrew in verse 2, I cry, it's intensely personal. He sets himself to seek the Lord. He says, I cry. He's, he's burdened to pray about the situation. Notice the other word cry, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou will not save. The second cry it's not so much the fervency and the passion of it, but it means to scream. It means to, to, to scream loudly. It's as if he's in absolute shock. Do you see that? His heart is disturbed that he cries loudly out to God. See, the man of God does the right thing when he's burdened. And what does he do? He goes to God and he cries to him. And that's what we ought to do. He's prayed a long time about things. His prayer's unheeded. His prayer's unanswered. Lord, there's iniquity in the land. Lord, there's injustice, immorality. Lord, it's on the rise. And you don't seem to hear me. Lord, are you there? Lord, are you listening? You see, this man feels he has a duty and responsibility of care as God's man. And he believes that God can reverse the situation. He believes that God can answer prayer. He believes that God is all-powerful and all-knowing and God is all-seeing. And the sins of the nation drove him to pray. He didn't say, well, why should I be bothered? Why, why should I care? Nobody else cares. I'm not going to put up with this. He's perplexed and broken heart. And yet he does the right thing. He does the best thing. He does the only thing that he could do. He begins to pray about it. Are you here this morning and your heart broken over something? Your mind's in a quandary. Maybe you haven't much heart in living for the Lord. You, you confess, well, it's not easy being a Christian in my home. Maybe you're praying about a particular thing and, and God's not answering. And you've been crying out, but, but it doesn't seem to be that he's there or, or listening to you. And, and you're saying, Lord, I'm crying, I've been praying about this, but, but you're not hearing me. Now, 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 why does prayer go unanswered? Let, let me answer that. Well, it can go unanswered because of sin in the life. Remember Psalm 66 verse 18 says, um, If I regard iniquity in my heart, thou will not hear me. And we've got to understand this morning that sin hinders answers to prayer. But that wasn't the problem here. It wasn't that, that um, Habakkuk had unconfessed and unrepented sin in his heart. That, that would be a wrong conclusion. You see, when you think of this man, Habakkuk, he was a man in touch with God in his day and generation. He was a man burdened for the work of God. He was a man who was standing for the cause of God. And yet, there was a delay to the answer. Not a denial, a delay. And he's saying, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save? 
See, why was God delaying the answer? Well, let me suggest this morning he was delaying the answer to draw out Habakkuk's heart after him. He wanted Habakkuk to trust him. He wanted to to deepen this burden. He wanted to remove all dependence on the flesh. He he wanted to, to bring Habakkuk into the place where he was willing for God's answer when the answer came. Because the Lord's answer would be the right answer. And there's times whenever our prayers go unanswered, not because of sin that's unconfessed and unrepented of, but God holds back the answer to excite our hearts, to increase our faith, to to encourage absolute and total dependence on him. And I know when the devil opposes us, it's easy to give up in prayer. But whenever you feel in the heat of the day that you're ready to give up and quit, it's no point and no good. I want you to pray on. I want you to pray through. I want you to pray believingly. And if you're praying about the sin in the land and you're burdened about sin, even though others can't see it and and don't feel it, isn't it strange? There was many in Habakkuk's day who professed the name of the Lord and the sin of the nation didn't bat an eyelid to them. It didn't turn their heads. Big deal. What, what sin are you talking about? The kings burnt the word of God. Well, what's that to us? Get over it. But not so Habakkuk. He raised his voice to God. He, he raised his voice against the godless. And we live in a day when sadly there's not many Christian churches or not many individual Christians are raising their voice to God about the sin of the land or raising their voice for God toward the godless calling them to repent and believe the gospel. We could really say today that there's little conviction among many professing Christian people. The vast majority have no concern. But I believe God has a people. I believe God has his men. And when God burdens their heart... They can't sit back and do nothing. They're they're watching the apostates. They're listening to the humanists. They're seeing militant atheism on the rise. They they see rampant uh, Roman Catholicism. And what do they do? Well, they don't start a revolution. Could I tell you, they don't start a riot. They don't go and get guns and start shooting people. That's, That's wrong and sinful. No, they go to God. And they go to God in prayer. And they lift up their voice to God. And even though when they get no answer and still perplexed, They pray on and pray through and they wait and they ask God, how long, Lord? See, this man was mystified. He could see no sign of revival. And he's struggling and wrestling with the mystery of unanswered prayer. And he's wondering at the reason. Lord, why didn't you step in? Lord, why don't you turn this sin back? Lord, why remain indifferent? Is God indifferent? Are we crying on deaf ears? Have we lived our lives for God in vain? How do we react when nothing's happening in the land? We tell the Lord exactly how we feel. There's the asking of the man of God. Now, I'm only opening up this series. We're going to preach about nine or ten messages in this. 
I want you to think as we finish the answer to the man of the broken heart. Look at verse 5. He says there, Behold ye among the heathen in regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. See, the Lord is listening. The Lord has a word for his prophet. But it's not really the message that he wanted to hear. The Lord's message is bound up here from verse 6 right through to verse 11. The Lord was telling him three things in the answer. I am at work. Behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told you. I'm not indifferent, Habakkuk, do you think, to the sins of men? I, I see it. I'm observing it. I'll bring all sin to account. I I am not inactive. I'm at work even though you can't see it. I'm preparing an instrument of judgment to come first. So, So we're praying for revival for Northern Ireland. And that's right. But I want to tell you, God will deal with the sin first. And that's important that we understand that. And that's what happened in the land of Judah. And and that's, that's, that's what has happened before. There was a fear of God came upon people and, and sin was dealt with and sin was put away. And God was saying here to Habakkuk, I'm preparing an instrument of judgment to come first, namely the Babylonians, before I bring revival into the land of Judah. So I am at work. He, he, he says to Habakkuk here, I will work a work on your days. Notice the words, I will work. See, God is sovereign over all things. God is on the throne. God's in control. I control every nation under the heaven. I, I control what's happening in the land of Israel. I'm controlling the ten kingdoms as well as the two kingdoms, Habakkuk. I, I control every other nation whether it's the United Kingdom or United States of America or or countries in Europe. Remember, I'm sovereign. And and it's here. And I want you to think of something else. God is saying to Habakkuk, I'll not give my glory to another. Not to you. Not to the church. Not to the king in the throne. Not to the heathen. Certainly not to, to my enemies and yours. I will not give my glory to another. See, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 29, I will not give my glory unto another. No flesh shall glory in God's presence. You see, what happened was the Babylonians thought that they had conquered little Judah by their own power. And they ascribed it to their gods. That's what he's saying in verse 11. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend them, putting this as power unto his God. And what happened to the Babylonians? Well, 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 God raised them up and God brought them to ruination. There's the answer of the man of the broken heart. Get your eyes on the Lord. I am working. I am sovereign. And I will not give my glory to another. As we think about this first message in the series of messages in Habakkuk, think of God's man with a broken heart, his appearance on the scene. Why did he come in the scene? 
Who sent them? Who raised them up? He was God's gift. It was God being merciful. Think of his agony. He, he's broken hearted. What's he broken hearted over? The sin of the land. Bankrupt. Religiously. Societally. Morally. Politically. He's a man who's asking God for things. And yet his prayer's going as he sees it unheard and unanswered. And he's struggling with that. He's wrestling with that. He can't understand. He's mystified. So often we do the same. But here's the answer. I am at work. I am sovereign. And I will not give my glory to another. And I leave those thoughts with you this morning. Take them home with you. Read through this. Try to get a handle on it. And I pray the Lord will bless us as we work our way through to the third chapter, which is really where we want to get to and deal with the whole subject of revival. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening.